Welcome back to the Feed the Soul Summit. We are now in session four of our four, five, hang on, I'm losing it, five session for the for the this uh, summit. And you can see it's been uh, taking, it has a toll on me. So anyway, here we are with Taj, Madeline, Rachel, and Prince uh, for this discussion, uh, this first discussion of this session. And it's gonna be on reducing the risk of burnout post sport. Now, before we jump into the intros and the discussion, remember that uh, the event is recorded. We will be sharing it with our participant on our website and also on social media channels. And we're not gonna be taking questions from the audience this morning, but you will be able to submit your questions afterwards for an online discussion forum. So stay tuned for that. And with that, uh, I'll start with a quick introduction on myself. I'm Miriam Glaze, the founder of Athlete Soul. I'm also a two-time Olympian in the sport of synchronized swimming. And um, I went into a corporate career after that in marketing in the hotel industry. That led me back into the sport industry, uh, working for multiple sports team uh, in England, Australia, and the US, and then finally landing with, uh, with Athlete Soul, which has been an incredible experience. So we, I actually do work with Taj and Madeline on a regular basis on the transition side. They are coaches for Athletes All. So it's fantastic to have you guys here on this panel. I've also interviewed Rachel. So we're all connected here. Um, let's start straight away with the intros. Uh, Madeline, why don't you get started? Sure. Hi, everybody. Welcome. So great to be here. Uh, I'm Dr. Madeline Barlow. I was a swimmer. I swam um, through college at Bloomsburg University for all four years. And the transition for me was a really, really, really tough experience. So that's what um, led me to where I am today. I got my PhD in exercise and sports psychology at Temple University. Um, and it was through that experience that I recognized I didn't just want to, I had to study the transition so I could help individuals that are going through that that time and that loss of their sport into what's next. So it's a little bit about me. I'm really happy to be here. Beautiful. Rachel. Sure. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Rachel Flatt, and I was on the 2010 Olympic team for women's figure skating, as well as a national champion and junior world champion. Um, but I am now very happily retired. And like I like to say, I'm on to career number two. And uh, similar to uh, Madeline actually doing my PhD in clinical psychology, um, mostly focused on eating disorders in athletes, athlete mental health, um, but also some digital mental health tools as well. So um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to dig into to the discussion today. And thank you so much, Miriam, for having me. Thank you, Rachel. Taj. Yeah, Miriam, thank you for holding this space. Uh, thank you for having me on the panel. My name is Taj Deshaun. I am a former football player from Stony Brook University. I'm now an athlete career transition coach, helping athletes transition into the next stages of their lives. Uh, I'm also the, the founder of Thrive After Sports and the author of this book right here, Thrive After Sports, as well as this book, Athletes Entrepreneur, which is a collection of stories. Madeline is a part of this book. I'm trying to zoom in on Madeline's face. There she is. Boom. Uh, Madeline. And Miriam, where, where's Miriam? I got, there's Miriam. Look at that, looking smooth. Uh, so I had the pleasure of 
collaborating on this book as well. I'm also the host of the Thrive After Sports podcast, where I've had the pleasure of interviewing Miriam, Madeline, and Prince. Rachel, you're up next. I will be reaching out for sure. And uh, last but not least, I'm the vice president of Self-Publishing 30 Days, which is a company that helped me publish those two books. And I have the privilege and the pleasure of helping other athletes publish their books as well. So that's a little about me. Cash is a really busy person. Prince, what are you away? <laughs> My name is Prince Daniels Jr. I'm a former NFL running back for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, played three incredible years there. After my transition from the NFL into life, um, I felt that I needed some help because I was extremely depressed and suicide was the number one priority on my list. So took it upon myself to go live at a monastery and um, you know, did some rehabilitation from there, came back and now I'm a high performance mentor. I work with professional athletes, elite athletes and high achievers and helping them um, transition and helping them transform before they transition. And, and, and that's in life and sports. And uh, I help people see the greatness within themselves. And so I have a book called Mindfulness for the Ultimate Athlete, which is behind me, Mastering the Balance Between Power and Peace. Hey, thanks, Taj. <laughs> and um, exactly. And so and I also have a company called Game Beyond the Game, where I help athletes identify their purpose and um, have a vision for their purpose and be able to see it through, uh, uh, you know, beyond the game and into life. So it's a little bit about me and I'm happy to be here. So Miriam, thank you for holding this space. Taj, it's so great to see you. Madeline and Rachel, it's great to meet you. So I'm excited. This is a great panel and everybody has amazing energy. So let's get it going. And, and thank you for all of you to participate in this discussion because you obviously have different backgrounds, came from different sports, yet you all have one mission is to support athletes uh, with their mental health, with their transition, and just in general, be a better human being and, and understanding themselves. So I think there's a common thread between what you all do and it possibly comes from uh, personal experiences that probably had similarities as you transition from your athletics to your next life. So the topic we're gonna be talking about is really about this uh, burnout post-sport, which is it's pretty common. Um, we see a lot of athletes with all of it, their energy and enthusiasm um, kind of rush to the next step once they've retired from sport and jump into uh, corporate or uh, coaching and really go on full speed, kind of the way they did in their sporting career. And that all doesn't always uh, end quite well. And there is a bit of a reckoning happening at some point. And so, I guess the first question is, is why is this? Why is there this rush to get into the next career? Uh, Rachel, what do you think? I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this because I, I think on one hand, you know, we as athletes are so used to having this insane schedule and so much structure in our lives from, you know, training, you know, seven, eight hours a day, you know, and doing all sorts of things to maintain our bodies and our minds. Um, and when we have so much open and open time in our schedule and so little structure, it makes it really easy to just fill that up with other things, right. To immediately jump into the next thing to kind of alleviate some of that, like uncertainty and anxiety. 
anxiety around like, what's next? You know, it's like, let me just jump into whatever, <laughs> whatever's there for me. And on, on the other end of the spectrum, I think sometimes there's this urgency for some folks who, you know, are retiring, have had great careers, or have maybe even had some tough experiences, and they're really ready to be done. You know, they, they want to move on with their lives, they want to, you know, achieve personal goals, and, you know, that they've maybe put off, like, having a family or pursuing, you know, education or other careers. And so sometimes there's like a lot of excitement and enthusiasm to jump into that. And at the same time, like we still really need to recognize that this is a huge transition in life. And it is so important to take some time and space to like figure, figure out your life out, figure out your new identity outside of sports and really take the time to just process the, the major changes that are occurring in life. So I think there's, you know, a lot of different aspects to the urgency piece. Um, but I think it's so common for people to want to just like jump in right to the next thing. And I, you know, I did that through myself right into school and, uh, it, it, it showed up later for sure. <laughs> I was forced to take that time and, and process things. Is there perhaps a fear of coming from that space of great success, having done a lot of different things by a young age, and then kind of being eager to achieve the same straight away um, coming off your sport? Is this something maybe that uh, Prince, you have experienced, or Taj, kind of searching for that success straight out of your sporting career? Yes, and I'm pretty sure Taj will be able to expound on it as well. It's a drug. You become addicted to that success. And just like any type of dopamine uh, that is released, you know, you want that feeling. You want to fulfill that feeling because it has been there and you've normalized it. And so now you want that to appear in your life every day. But the rhythm and uh, the regiment that, that you were doing and, and the pace that you were doing it at, it slows down. And so there's a different, different pace whenever you retire from your sport. Just like, just like Rachel said, everything was structured for you. Now you have all of this open space, open time. And so you can do whatever that you want to do. You haven't had an opportunity to really use your imagination. So you start using, using your imagination. But at the same time, it's like, well, what do I do? I could do so many things. I could do, you know, I could do all the impossible things. And when you start, you start to realize that oh, this is tougher than I thought, you know, because you've already created a new groove. And so when you create that new groove in your life, you create a new groove in your brain and how you operate and how you do things. And so it's difficult to rewire and rearrange your brain to be able to think and in a positive manner, because now you're actually seeing things for what they are like, oh my goodness, I failed at this. I, I never fail, but you start failing in, in certain situations and it seems like the game speed is not the same as life speed. So you have to learn how to find that balance within your life and, and enjoy those moments when you had them. But now that you're in a new space, you have to be open for whatever that comes, so. Yeah, both of you have talked about structure, pace, flow. Um, and, and Taj, I'm, I'm curious because you've had quite a few different work experiences right after, after college. 
And uh, I'm wondering if you were in search of something or trying to fill fill in, you know, those missing feelings that you had from sport. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Rachel and Prince, you you guys brought up some great points. Um, I think just an example, something that I experienced personally with rushing into the next thing came from, um, I'll use an example of this, like the holidays are coming up, right? And so we're all going to begin together with our families. When I was in college, I enjoyed those holidays because everyone would say, hey, I saw your game last weekend. Great job. Um, how you feeling about next season? All those types of things, because that was my identity for so long. And then when I came back home from college, those that first holiday season, when I came back home and I was unemployed, no longer playing football, no idea what I wanted to do. Those were some of the hardest uh, moments fresh out of college because it was always Taj, what are you doing next? And I was scrambling to try to come up with something just to tell people like, I got some interest from these jobs or I have an interview coming up next week. And you're just trying to not only tell people, you're, you're trying to tell people, hey, this is what I'm doing. And you're also looking at yourself like, well, I really don't know what I'm doing. And so I think that sense of urgency or that rushing into things a lot of times just comes from trying to establish a new identity just because you're like, okay, I'm shedding these old layers. I just want to hurry up and attach it to something else so I can tell people this is what I'm doing. And a lot of times it becomes about other people versus looking internally. And that's something that I encourage. And I know anybody on this panel can speak to this. We all, when we're working with athletes, we encourage them to look internally and starting there first. That's where it begins. You have to figure out what's important to you, what what path you want to create for yourself, who you want to be in this world moving forward. It has to be bigger than a paycheck or just what's on your business card. It has to be what lights you up and what can you attack with that same sense of passion and ferocity that you did with your sport. And I think once we find that, um, and it can't always be rushed to your point. That's not something you can just figure out overnight. It's a process. It takes time. It takes um, looking within to be able to discover that. So those are my thoughts. I think that's why I rushed into it, trying to figure out what I was doing. And I think that's why a lot of athletes rush into it. Madeline, can you speak to this process of uh, reflection, reevaluation? Why is it important to take the time to do that? And what would be the consequences uh, possibly if you do not do it? I'm going to start with the consequences really quickly and go backwards. Uh, Again, from my personal experience, I've loved hearing so far about everyone else's personal experience. I think that's really something we can all relate to. when I didn't go inward, I didn't reflect it. The, the effects of the loss of my sport lasted seven years out. I was dealing with that loss in different ways, whether it was conscious or not, um, because I hadn't stopped to really grieve and really process the loss. I often refer to the end of my swimming career as um, genuinely a death, a death of a piece of me felt like a piece of me died when I finished swimming, when I touched the wall for the last time. Um, But I didn't grieve that. I didn't know I was supposed to. I didn't know how. So I also rushed in. I also rushed in because I was scared of that feeling. I was afraid of feeling what was genuinely within me. Didn't necessarily have the support to do that either. Um, So that's where it comes full circle. The reflection process the having that support is just so important so that you can move through whatever it is that you are feeling because that's that's very personal from person to person everyone grieves differently as well so it's a bit complicated uh there's no one 
one way to grieve, to deal with it. Um, but that I feel is, is why it's so important to slow down, take a moment, really explore or observe what's coming through, what you're feeling. So that way you can clear the path to actually move forward. If we don't clear the path, the moving forward piece is gonna feel a lot trickier, like walking through mud, for example, because it's just not clear. Um, we're not gonna be able to see it as clearly. So that I feel is, is why reflection is just so important, but it comes in your own time, in your own way, and finding support is a big part of that. This is so counterintuitive with everything that athletes do. Um, as an athlete, you know, you're all about action and you have a tendency of, you know, piling on action, on action, on action to actually bury those uncomfortable feelings, those that you just don't want to feel. And um, it seems that from your different comments, this rush into the next thing or doing a lot of different things is a way to actually not deal with this. And it's a way that athletes have been taught or I've learned to deal with things when they were athlete. Um, Rachel, is this something you would agree with? Oh, totally. And I think, I think that culture is starting to change a little bit in sports, but I think in so many generations, you know, of sports, we have been taught not to like pay attention to our emotions. If we're, you know, if we're in the thick of it, like the goal is to just refocus, get your job, job done and make sure that um, you're achieving and performing at the highest level, kind of regardless of what is happening either internally or externally. And that is, that takes years to build and subsequently sometimes years to peel back, you know? And so when we are trying to ensure that you start functioning as a whole human being and you start being in touch with your emotions, being in touch with like you know, how, how certain experiences have shaped you and how they, you know, may no longer be in your life as you move forward outside of sports and having to, to relearn some of those relationships that you have to certain things in your, you know, certain people, certain things in your environment. Um, there's a lot of newness that it just takes time and patience to be able to address that. Whereas in Instead of our typical like approach in, in sports where we don't show weakness and we just plow through, like now is the time to actually develop yourself more as a human and start relearning some of those, those, um, those skills. Cause it just, it just takes time. We, we talk in, in the title of this panel about uh, burnout. And, and I think it really is referring to this low point in time post career, post retirement. Uh, where you're not feeling quite so good and it could be in the form of a, of a burnout, it could be depression, uh, societal thoughts. I think there, it takes multiple shapes uh, depending on your situation and, and each athlete's really. Um, Madeline, from your work, can you tell us a little bit um, if, if there are some red flags or things we should watch out for and maybe in terms of timing too, like what are we looking at? Is this happening, you know, two weeks after you retire or are we looking at um, two years later? Sure. Uh, so the timing thing is tricky, as you can imagine. Uh, kind of how I was saying earlier, um, 
the way people grieve or that process of, of moving on, moving into life after sport is going to be very subjective from person to person. Um, and it's the same with the timeline of how it may affect someone the, the same, um, in the same way that, you know, if you're bringing awareness to how you're feeling, you may notice that sooner. I myself pushed it away for probably five full years um, and had no awareness uh, that this was what was affecting my day to day. Um, so really that, that timing can depend. And it also can depend on things like how much you identified with your sport. You know, is your entire world, your sport, is who you are linked to what you do as an athlete or what you did as an athlete? So that plays a role. If you're a 10 out of 10, it may affect you much sooner after the transition because it's going to be even more prominent. Um, but again, I think the timing is very subjective. So things that we could look for, though, are, um, you know, uh, overwhelm. Things like, okay, you're in, in a grad program maybe, and and sure, there's lots of stuff going on. Grad school is, is intense. I'm sure, Rachel, you can <laughs> identify with that right now. Um, grad school is intense, but, you know, are you in class and having having a mental breakdown in class because you're so overwhelmed by everything? That happened to me. It did. I, it did. It was awful. Um, it was not fun. So uh, that could be an example. Or again, you're just be feeling so overwhelmed that you can't get anything done. You can't get out of bed, low energy, um, finding yourself having some challenges around regulating your emotions. That's a big part of it. Uh, I know Taj mentioned one book that I was in. I kind of forgot that I may have potentially written my own book recently. <laughs> I have it right here. So I'm pulling it. Oh, yay. Thank you, Taz. Um, so my, this book is called The Highly Sensitive Athlete. And it, it does talk about the differences between what it means to be sensitive and in tune with your sensitivities versus being hypersensitive. Um, so hypersensitivity, again, the, the lack of emotional regulation and things like that. So those might be some of the things we look for, um, especially also one final thing is that lack of interest lack of interest in what, you know, something you might have been interested in before, or just, you know, not really feeling able to connect in the same way. Um, those are some things that I might look for. And that would tell me there's burnout in some capacity being experienced. Prince, would you share with us a little bit about your personal experience? You did not experience a burnout, but you dealt with um, depression and loss of identity, and you had a, a specific way of handling that. Can you share a little bit with us that process and how did you figure out you needed to do something different? I tried everything in the book that was traditional. <laughs> That's how I knew I had to do something different. Uh, so after my football career uh, ended abruptly due to injuries, uh, there was this void in my life because I had this, this mental projection of how long I was going to play. And since that did not pan out, it created this void in my timeline and, and me looking into my life. And so after my career was over, which as every human being does, and, and it's perpetuated and encouraged, we cling to everything that we can cling to, cre to create an, an identity for ourselves. That's how we identify ourselves. We label ourselves. We have names, you know. So 
I needed, for me, I needed to jump from one identity to another identity, but not just that, but jump to an identity that still can hold the same type of energy that I would receive from being regaled and praised on the football field. And it seemed like there was nothing else that could really do that. And that could really give me that, that adrenaline rush, you know, unless I go, unless I go and do something extreme. Right. But, uh, I wasn't even in the right mindset to even try to do something extreme because I was planning on doing something extreme, but luckily I did not. And so um, I fell into this, this, this depression and, or should I say deep depression. And after I fell into that, I um, started having negative thoughts, suicidal thoughts, and the negative thoughts took over my mind. Um, so everything that I used to say that was positive about myself and how much I love myself and how much I'm proud of myself, I started saying all the opposite. And that le led me into a down spiral mindset, which led me to create a three-day uh, demise for myself and how I was going to do it. So I was fortunate enough to get to day three and my thought process was disrupted. Uh, and so after that thought process was disrupted, um, I had a choice. I could either go left or I can go right. And so luckily I chose to go left uh, because right would have ended my life and I would not be here today. Um, so um, when I went left, it was uh, encouraged to uh, meditate. And I, I kid you not, at that time in my life, I was cursing up a storm. Like how in the, is this meditation gonna even help me? Like this doesn't make any sense, right? But it was my last lifeline because I, I was doing all the, the, the things, going to church, praying, do, doing all these things, being in the community. Uh, and I felt that there was no uh, connectivity, no level of sensitivity um, because I was, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I didn't know how to let that go. I was a warrior. And so for me, I had to learn how to let that go. And, and as Taj mentioned, you know, you're concerned about what other people think or say about you. So I had to learn how to let that go. And I had to learn how to be in my space. I had to learn how to identify with myself. And that's really hard because a lot of times we are ashamed of some of the, the things that we've done, ashamed of some of our thought process or, or, or the things that we think about and the actions that we take. And so you don't want to sit with that and, and, and have to judge yourself right it's easy to judge someone else but it's hard to judge yourself so i went through this process and luckily doing that doing that 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 choice of choosing meditation um something happened and it was like i had a calling and from that moment on that's when i realized this is the direction that i need to go in and i followed that without without second guessing it and from there, that's when I chose to go and live at the monastery for some time because I knew that I needed to work on myself internally. And when I started to do that, I started to see how there was this seed that was inside of me that needed to sprout and needed to blossom and I needed to unfold. And I did that and I stayed committed to it. And it allowed for me to not only see myself in a more of a positive manner, but also create a different perspective and vantage point in the way that I view things and see things in life. And then I started realizing the power of my mind and how I changed my negative talk into my positive talk. And I started loving myself so much more that I started realizing the, the principles of life and understanding like the very 
small parts of life all the way down to the cellular level to the atomic level and and started becoming more mindful of the things that I do the things that I say and this has led me down this path and so for me I'm just very fortunate and grateful to be in the position that I'm in uh, because my even though I didn't experience burnout my definition of burnout is when your desire depletes the thing that you initially fell in love with. That's when you have a burnout because you no longer have the desire to continue to keep going, to, to continue to keep motiv stay motivated or aspire or be inspired to finish whatever that you're doing. Just like you have a job, you're just like, you know what, forget this job, man. I can I can go make money somewhere else. I want to go live somewhere else. Like, forget this, you know. So it's in you, but when when your desire depletes or fizzles out, that means a new desire, it's creating space for a new desire to come in so you can find some type of new love. And once you find that, go with it. Well, thank you for sharing this really personal experience. Um, because it's really something to hear, you know, about suicide and, and another one to hear you talk about your personal experience and how it changed you and the choices you made through that process. Um, really, really interesting. Rachel, I want to turn it, turn it to you now with a question that I think you, you will all answer to positively, but I'd like to know why it matters. So, you know, should an athlete, should all athletes consider seeking help as they're transitioning from sport, whether it's a ways a mental health professional, a priest, a monk, or a transition coach? Um, my guess is you're all going to go, yes, 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 of course, that's what you do. But my question to you guys, <laughs> to you, Rachel, um, is why? Why does it matter to seek help from, from others? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in terms of the... Sorry, my audio is a little weird. Oh, okay, it went away. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of why, I mean, I think you've heard it in various forms from all of us, like transitioning out of sport is tough, no matter how well prepared you are for it. Like, I think if you looked at, you know, my my resume on paper as I was transitioning out of, of sport, um, you know, I had just graduated from, you know, a great college at Stanford. I was pre-med. I had had this, you know, fantastic seating career. It seemed like I was really set up well to do, to do good things. And yet for that first year afterwards, I was a complete disaster. And as someone who is now, um, you know, in the mental health space, I truly have no idea how I got through that time without some form of mental health support, whether that was working with a therapist, working with, um, you know, even just getting some good peer support and good guidance from, you know, from friends and family, you know, some folks feel more comfortable getting that support, that type of emotional support from religious leaders. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can, you can elicit that support, but at the end of the day, like you are, you know, especially for elite athletes, I think Madeline, you said it best, like it feels like a part of you dies. It feels so difficult at times to realize that something that has been so important to you for a really long time is no longer going to be something that you can easily access or um, kind of build your life around. And so I think it is, you know, 
even if you are expecting it to be easy, it's not going to be like it will, it will, that difficulty will come. And so being able to have some support, being able to have a little bit of forethought into um, how to prepare yourself for that transition, getting yourself set up with some good external supports that aren't necessarily sports related, um, having, you know, good peer supports and family and friends, um, any, any additional support to help get you through that time is essential. And I think the most important piece to this is again, like giving yourself that grace and that time and that patience to work through it because we've all been there. Like I'm sure all of us would be more than willing to, to talk with others, you know, about how to navigate this time. And there's a lot of different avenues, but again, being able to, to work with a mental health professional, work with someone who can emotionally help you through that time, um, I think is, is essential. And if I had gone back and changed anything about my sports career, that would have been it. Yeah, that's a great, great, uh, input, Rachel. And, you know, we, all of us out here are, are looking back and thinking, what if I had done this, um, to help myself through that process. And so I think the message here is to tell, you know, athletes and their coaches, you know, you can prepare, you can set up those system and, and have them in place before it actually happens. And so I kind of want to turn this question to Taj, um, you know, in addition to helping you through the most difficult part of transitioning, um, can this also be more preventative and perhaps even accelerate that process? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I like to use the analogy a lot of times of, in fact, the reason that I have a flame of, of wrong direction, a flame back here on top of the Thrive After Sports logo is because I feel that as athletes, we have this burning passion inside of us. And if you can get help or guidance um, through the transition, through the hard times, and also guidance about your direction, that's like putting lighter fluid on top of a flame that's already burning, right? And so, Rachel, I love how you brought up, I had to write this one down, where you were talking about it doesn't necessarily even have to be um, a coach or a mental health professional. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. And I think that's so important because a lot of times athletes, because we're so prideful and used to being, you know, the strong one, um, we exist in a vacuum after we're done playing and we go into this place of isolation. I know I sure did. And the problem with that is you're kind of dealing with all these negative emotions and thoughts and feeling in a vacuum. And it exists only up here. And that's when it becomes dangerous, right? But if you can get it out, like I said, even if it's talking to a family member or something like that, that's going to make a world of difference for you. Um, another thing with that, when you talk about the next chapter of your life, like I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have great mentors in my life and people who were helping guide me through and pull me up. I have some great mentors in my life. Um, Miriam, I consider you a mentor as well. And the thing with that is like, you can never have too many mentors or too many people in your corner helping you get where you want to go. So even for the athletes who don't necessarily have a challenge that maybe they have a clear direction, um, you know, after they're done playing through the transition and what they actually want to do after they're done playing their sport, even those athletes should get help and guidance because why not? Like I said, it can't hurt to have people in your corner helping you. So those are just some of my thoughts about getting help and seeking guidance from people, especially, and this is the important thing, especially from people who have been in your shoes. That's the most important thing. All of this, all everyone on this panel is a former athlete who had some challenges. So that makes us equipped to be able to help people get through some of the things that we got through. Um, so I just want to leave, throw that in there lastly. But those are my thoughts. This message, Taj, yesterday we had this message of you can't get too much sleep 
or at least, you know, 10 hours as an athlete is, is, cannot be too much. And I feel like you cannot get too much help. And that's pretty true for someone who is transitioning away from sport. Um, one question to all of you kind of as a wrap up for this discussion is, um, should, we, should we be teaching athletes and retiring athletes when they're competing and then post-career, should we be teaching them more balance and how to slow down? This is really a test that uh, for someone who's had a two-way, you know, two careers for the first 25 years of their life, um, it could be a quite a challenging task. Uh, what what do you think? Anybody wants to uh, jump in? Madeline. Oh. Okay. You, you should be able Got to it. mute yourself. Yes. <laughs> it was strange. It was telling me I couldn't unmute myself. Very strange. But it's okay. We're fine. We can adjust. Um, the short answer to should we be teaching athletes about balance is yes, absolutely. Um, right now, uh, I, can't, I can't speak for you know, what's going on right now in athletics too much because I'm not coaching or I'm not you know, competing right now, but my hope is that it might be coming in a little bit more already, but at least um, from several years ago, you know, balance was not taught. Balance was not taught. It was push, 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 go, go, go. Um, rest will leave you behind type of thing. Um, so really challenging the belief that you will get behind if you choose to rest is important. Finding a balance between always doing and simply being, I feel is so valuable. Um, yet athletes don't often find stillness. They don't often find quiet. They don't often meet with themselves. So I do feel this is a really important skill. I'm myself, I'm also a um, avid meditator and, and, and you know, I do breath work. And those are not things I did when I was an athlete. So it was a very tough uh, thing to try out. Prince, you might identify with that for sure. Um, but once I started doing that, meeting with myself in that quiet, slowing down, finding the balance between doing, going after my goals and resting, I've, I've really come home to myself in so many ways. Thank you, Madeline. That was really insightful. Um, any, any of you, Prince, you, I saw you unmute yourself. Did you want to add to this on the yes, topic I, I of did. balance? Yes, and I had a, I, I wanted to say something a while back. I wanted to say that for everyone that's listening, understand that transitioning from your sport into life, it's a relationship. And I think everyone in here has had their heart broken before, right? And so as Madeline said, and as Rachel said, and as Taj said, we all reemphasize, it's a breakup. So what happens when you go through a breakup? It seems like a piece of your heart was taken and ripped out of you. And you're like, ah, why? Right? And maybe you didn't get to leave on your own terms, or maybe you felt like you showed up every single day and you did everything that you needed to do. And they were still like, oh, I'm going another, in another direction. Sorry, bye, leave you there. So you have to learn how to mend those pieces. But don't never let it turn you off to opening yourself up for new love. Wanted to say that. And then the next thing uh, in terms of 
I think I forgot the question. <laughs> in terms of <laughs> in terms of balance. <laughs> in terms of balance. There we go. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> and see, that's possible. So in terms of balance, I wrote my book called Mastering Mastering the Balance Between Power and Peace. So that's the sideline for Ultimate Athlete. And I think it's very important. I would love to emphatically use a profanity word, but <laughs> I want to say, yes, it's important that we all have balance because that's what life is about. And remember, there's life outside of sports. And that's what we that's the realm and the space that we enter after the sport is over. As Todd said, we live in a vacuum. You know, even when you're in, in your sport, your 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 narrative is like, this is what I do, this is who I am. Forget everybody else. I'm I'm special. I'm incredible. And that's how you look at yourself. And you're supposed to look at yourself like that when you're in the sport. But once you come out of this world, you're still supposed to look at yourself that way. But it's not a sprint. It's more of a marathon. Because sports is short-lived. Life is life. You live it forever, from day to day, moment to moment, second to second, minute to minute, and so forth. And so balance is the key to having a successful life. And it'll help you know, with the athletes that are playing, it will help them in the transition. So the blow won't be as impactful. And they will also understand like, oh, here it comes. And instead of standing there and taking the blow on, you allow yourself to ole, step to the side. Like, oh, that's what my mentor was saying. That's what my coach was saying. That's what they were talking about. So you, you have the opportunity to be able to become aware and look out for those certain pitfalls and moments where you know that oh, this is going to hurt you know so um, that's the reason why it's important for every single athlete to have balance and they should have some type of therapist some type of um, sports mentors or a sports psychologist um, to be able to speak to their to, to them because it's a different language and in order for them to comprehend they have to understand that language and so as Taz mentioned, whenever we can speak that same language to someone, it's easier to communicate with them and it's easy for them to understand the things that they need to understand and apply them in their day-to-day -day life. Thank you, Prince. And like Rachel said, balance is uh, really helping with burnout as well. And, and we're really talking about, you know, finding that balance for sport, but also figuring out uh, beyond sport when you're still in your career, what, what can you do to, um, to help yourself? So guys, we uh, have run out of time, but I wanted to thank you for your participation in this discussion, your input. Uh, really love all of you, uh, what you had to share today. I'm gonna ask you to log off. We've shared in the chat a little bit about each of you and we'll follow up with our participant as well.